Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining that the reason why a lot of people have a difficult time accepting or embracing what I am saying concerning the subject of tithing, the reason why they have such a hard time with it is because they are not really interested in the subject of tithing. They're not interested in the scriptures. They refer to tithing. That is not what is really important to them. What I have found is that most people are concerned with being blessed. They really want God to bless them in some quantifiable, measurable way, usually by evaluating their checkbook, to provide them with blessings in a physical sense here on earth so that they can indulge their flesh. That, in general, is the motive of most of the people who I have encountered when I have discussed this subject with others. I have found that most people are concerned with this. Now, in the previous program, I explained that the Lord our God has already blessed us with all of the blessings in heavenly places, as it is written. He has already given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. But, of course, the problem with that is, is that the things that he has given to us, which really can just simply be distilled down to a description of himself, he has given himself to us, that this is not really what people are interested in. They are more interested in their stomach than they are their heart, in other words. And so it's very important to be aware of this because it's very easy to become very frustrated with other people when you try to talk with people about this subject, believing or assuming that they have an interest in it, but in reality they are more interested in their stomach than they are in this particular subject. The attraction of blessings from God has great appeal. There are a lot of people who are focused on their own personal self-interest, and you have to be aware of that. You have to concede that. If you do not, then you are going to live in a very frustrated existence if you don't find a way to live in denial otherwise. In 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul gives us a warning concerning this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 5, he says that those who have this kind of attitude, are of a depraved or of a perverted mind. They are a bunch of perverts, in other words. Beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, it says, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands Nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world 
so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. When I speak about the blessings of God in the context of what He has given to us, and I encourage people to reach out to Him, to pursue Him, and to embrace what He has given to us. I speak about this in the series that I did on the will of God and also in our identity in Christ. In those two series, I talk about the blessings and the inheritance and that there is great gain to be found there. But again, people are not interested in that type of gain. They're interested in other types of gain that are better described not in the will of God or our inheritance, but are better described in this world and in the things of this world. But those who believe that godliness is a means of gain in this physical sense, they are a bunch of perverts. They are people of a depraved mind. Now, how many people do you know or know of How many people have you heard speak about godliness as a means of financial gain? Well, when it comes to the subject of tithing, it's virtually impossible to find someone who doesn't speak about tithing in the context of gain, that you give so that you can get, and God will bless you in return. He'll owe you. He will give you an abundance, and that is the purpose of, For tithing, and tithing is an act of godliness. If you do not tithe, then you are definitely ungodly. Be righteous, give me your money, and God will indulge your flesh. That's the message, folks, and you may be shocked to hear me say such a thing. But I'm going to tell you right now that this is what people hear. And maybe you live in some form of denial of reality and are unwilling to accept that this is what people say, and this is what people hear. And people are afraid. They are afraid to say what I have just said, because they are afraid of the judgment of God that they think they may receive, because these holy people are telling them that if they don't embrace what these holy people are saying, then God is going to hurt them. And people are afraid. But folks, I want you to know, I am not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything because I fear the true and living God. And I know that this is not what he thinks, that this is not what he wants. He does not want people to look to him as a means of financial gain. He does not want that. And so I am willing, I am willing to be bold. I have the guts to say it like it is. And this is the way it is, that we are surrounded by a mob of extortionists and perverts. That's what we have. And somebody's got to say it, and I'm going to say it. Of course, this is my opinion. This is not necessarily the opinion or beliefs of the management or ownership of this station. I have to give that disclaimer, of course. I just want you to know that that is my personal conviction, that this is what I really believe concerning the Christian world that I am a part of, because I am a Christian, I am a believer, I am a pastor, I am a teacher, I am responsible, I am obligated to tell the truth, and that's what I do. And I understand that there are some of you out there that are seriously offended by me saying this, but you know what? There are a lot of people out there who want to say this, but they are afraid to do so, and I'm going to say it on their behalf. There are people all around you who look at you this way. They see you this way. 
And they know better than to say anything to you because it's not going to make any difference anyway. Who do you think you are to suggest that someone like myself can't proclaim what we believe? Even if I'm wrong, you should at least acknowledge that I have the fortitude to stand firm on what I believe. People contact me sometimes and say things like, you ought to reevaluate the things you teach. Who do you think you are? Do you have any idea who I am? You think I just get in front of this microphone and just sort of wing it or something? I have spent years, decades, considering these subjects, and I am taking a position. I am taking a position that I believe in. There are a lot of things that I do not fully understand in the scriptures, and I don't speak about those things because the Lord has given me no divine revelation concerning those things, and I am very thankful that the Lord holds back on things that perhaps I am not ready to understand. But this is something that I feel fully confident to say, that the Lord has revealed to me in a divine way that this is the truth. And if you've got a problem with it, you take it up with Him. You don't need to contact me and suggest that I read some book or watch some video of some kind. I don't have a problem doing those kinds of things. I listen to people who I disagree with often. I don't have a problem doing that. But when it comes to some things, generally those things that I speak about, I have already been through it, all right? I have already been through it all. I am not interested in your opinion concerning this. Don't send me an autographed copy of your photo that I can put on my desk and be reminded that perhaps you may not like what I have to say. If I had any concern, which I really don't, if I had any concern for what people think of me, for what people think about what I say, if I had any concern for that, folks, you've got an incredible amount of competition because there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are following my work. And the reason why is because the truth that I have revealed that the Lord has clearly made available to everyone is changing their lives. And so, my friend, you've got a lot of competition if you think that I'm going to be impressed by your concerns. No, if you've got a problem with what I'm saying, you take it up with the Lord because he is the one who has directed me to say that people are a bunch of extortionists and perverts when it comes to the scriptures. I really believe that. Now, what else do people refer to in the scriptures when it comes to the subject of tithing? In the previous program, I spoke about Hebrews chapter 7. In this program, I'm going to talk about Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, a very popular passage that people like to refer to when it comes to the subject of tithing. And of course, the intent of this, the motive of this, is to get to verse 10. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 where it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And he goes on and he explains that you will be blessed. And he's right. He is telling the truth. Absolutely. If you will give your tithe, then he will intervene and ensure that you are blessed abundantly and so that you can indulge your flesh as much as you possibly can. And of course, that's in the context of safety and security and food and drink and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying indulge your flesh in the sense of go out there and sin. You can indulge your flesh in other ways besides sinning. 
The reason why he says this, though, is to encourage you to pursue this, to pursue the law. This is what he said, but this is not all that he had to say. There is more. There is a lot more. This is only one of the commandments. Only one. And if you study Deuteronomy chapter 28, where he speaks of the blessings that you will receive as a result of your repentance and obedience, he doesn't say, just tithe and I will bless you. He says you must do all of the commandments. And so if you're going to be committed to this, then be committed and do them all. And of course, the fact is that you will not do them all. And that's the point. He will never be obligated to bless you in this way. He could have said something like, give me your tithe and I will make you king of the planet. He could promise you anything. It doesn't matter what he offers to you because he's never going to have to deliver. Why will he never have to deliver? Because you'll never do all. You'll never obey all of the commandments. That is the condition. Yes, he said this. It's right here in front of me. I can read. I can see it. The problem that people have is they don't know everything else that he had to say. You think that he summarized everything in this one section in the scriptures? You've got to read them all. Now, I'm not going to go into the subject of law and grace, the commandments of God, his forgiveness, his mercy. I have many other programs that I have addressed this subject in. For example, the programs I did on spiritual warfare are actually a set of programs on the subject of law and grace, because that is where the greatest amount of spiritual warfare is taking place. And so I will refer you to those programs. In this program, what I'm going to focus on is the subject of tithing. And he explains that you are robbing him by not giving your tithe and things like that. Now, to explain this, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to consider something. What would happen if people in Israel, if the people in Israel, during the time when this was written, during the time of the judges and the kings of Israel, what would have happened if people stopped tithing? What would happen if people no longer supported their government, if they failed to pay their taxes? If the people of Israel failed to pay their taxes, if they failed to deliver the produce from their land to the Levites who were the government there, then what do you suppose would happen in their civilization, in their society? Well, if there is no government, if there is no judicial system, if there is no ruling authority, then who will people go to when they are violated? If somebody fails to fulfill their end of a contract, then who is the other person going to go to to ask for help to resolve the matter? There won't be anyone. Who are they going to call? Of course, they didn't have phones back then, but to use the common vocabulary that we have available today, who are they going to call? There is no one to call. No one's going to take their call. Today, people use voicemail for that kind of thing, and then they either lose or delete the messages. There is no one who is going to take your call if there is no government who is there who is being supported by the people. No one is going to be available for that. What happens if somebody steals something from you? Who are you going to call? Who are you going to contact? The civilization in Israel depended on the government for people to function in the society that God established. You have to have both the people 
and the governmental infrastructure to resolve the conflicts, to deal with the issues concerning public health and safety, and to enforce the laws of Jubilee. Now, in the earlier programs in this series, I explained the importance of the land, I explained the importance of productivity, I explained how wealth is derived, I gave you a complete explanation of the basics concerning an economy and a civilization. And in order for this to work, you have to have a judicial system. You have to have a government of some kind. The Israelite people were not governed internally by the Spirit of God. They may have been inspired by God. They may have been motivated by God. They may be thankful for what God gave them. But there are a lot of people around you today who have a similar attitude And they don't seem to be very honest. They seem to be willing to commit fraud, to be deceptive. There are people around you like that. Haven't you ever heard somebody complain about engaging in some kind of business transaction with someone who claimed to be a Christian, and it turned out that they were claiming to be a Christian because they were calling upon divine intervention to help close the deal because they were being deceptive and dishonest and the deal wouldn't have been closed if they didn't call upon divine intervention to somehow help them close that kind of a deal, only to find out that the deal was a really bad deal for you. People have been experiencing this for a long time. It was just like that back then. It's no different today as it was back then. The reason why is because people's hearts have not been changed. There is no way that a person's heart can be changed unless the living God himself changes that person's heart. And the only way that that can be accomplished is through the restoration of the life of God that he has provided to us in the new covenant. And that didn't go into effect until after Jesus died and rose from the dead. And so before that, you should expect that the Israelites would experience a decay in their society. They would experience a decay in their civilization. You should expect that. Now, what would be some of the signs, some of the indicators that their civilization was collapsing because people were not tithing? What would be some of the signs? Well, one of the signs would be sorcerers. Sorcerers and people who are engaged in witchcraft and things like that. It was the responsibility of the Levitical priesthood to put people like that to death. That was the responsibility of the Levitical priesthood. And if the Levitical priesthood has to close up shop and go find a way to make a living because nobody is giving a tithe, well, then who's going to do that? Who's going to go and hunt down the sorcerers and the witches and put them to death according to the law of God? Who's going to do that? Now, I'm certainly not advocating that we find some way to do that. Now, I certainly am not advocating that. What I'm saying is that in the context of the history of Israel, the history of Israel in the context of tithing, and in these verses in Malachi, you should expect to see sorcerers. You should expect to see adulterers. You should expect to see people who are swearing falsely, who are bearing false witness and who are being deceptive and who are committing fraud, you should expect to see oppressors of their slaves, of the people who are working for a wage. You should expect to see that. I explained in an earlier program that people will find themselves in a situation where they are competing with an increase in supply of individuals who are looking for work. And because of that, their wages are going to go down. 
because the cost of labor is devalued by the increase in the supply of labor. And so it will be easier for people to oppress the wage earner, to oppress those who are asking for the help of others in order to survive. Those who are widows, those who are orphans, who will help them? If people were giving their tithes, then the Levites would have been able to help the widows and orphans. That was their responsibility. But if they do not have the resources to fulfill their responsibilities, then they have to close their doors, they have to close up shop, and they have to go somewhere else and do something else. They can't fulfill their responsibilities because they don't have the resources to do so. And so the widows and the orphans are going to have to turn to someone else. And the other people who are out there are going to have the opportunity to oppress the widows and the orphans in various ways because there will be an increase in supply of widows and orphans and there is no need to pay them or compensate them any more than you would compensate others who are competing for the same type of work. That is a natural consequence of not having the Levitical priesthood. What about the aliens? And of course, I'm not referring to the people from outer space. I'm talking about people who are from another country. What about those people? When they come into the land, what are they going to do? They're going to rob people. That's what they're going to do, because by the time you figure out that they robbed somebody, they're going to be out of town and on their way out of the country. That's one of the examples that I gave in an earlier program concerning the importance of having the Levites well supplied so that the aliens can go to the Levites and receive whatever they have a need for so that they can be fed, they can have shelter, and they can be on their way. These were the responsibilities of the Levitical priesthood, and if the people did not provide them with the resources that they needed to fulfill these responsibilities, then these would be the consequences. Now, Beginning in Malachi chapter 3 verse 5, it says, Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against those who swear falsely, and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. That's verse 5. Malachi chapter 3, verse 5. If the people fail to give their tithe, then the Levitical priesthood could not have taken care of these things as the Lord commanded. That is why these things were happening in their land. Continuing in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But when you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, 
for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. This is exactly what I have been saying in this program. This is what he is saying. He is saying that he has given the commandments. He has established the nation of Israel. It is his. The people are his. And he has given them everything that they need. But their failure to fulfill their obligations is in effect robbery. They were robbing God. And so the Levitical priesthood could not fulfill their responsibilities. He gave them a command. They disobeyed that command. And there were consequences as a result of that. Would you expect God to intervene in a divine way when he has already explained to them in a very practical way, in a clear way, in an obvious way, that this is what he expects? Do you expect him to somehow intervene in a divine spiritual way that they do not see, that they do not understand, when he has given them something that is so obvious as this? He certainly could, but there's no reason for it. This is very similar to the situation that I often encounter when people are not willing to believe the basic, fundamental, clear doctrines that the Lord has given to us. And then they expect him to reveal something more. How is he going to reveal something more when those things depend on people's understanding of those things he has already revealed? That's a very similar situation to the situation that we have here. How do you expect him to intervene in a divine way when you are not fulfilling the basic obligations to establish the infrastructure that he gave? What more do you expect him to do? If you're not going to follow through with this, then why would you expect him to do more? Why would you expect him to do additional things, to increase the opportunity for blessings? Why, why would you expect that of him? So there is a very practical reason why these people were not being blessed in the way that he described. It's not because of a divine principle of tithing that we should embrace today. It was simply because that was the way that the government would be supported so that the government could fulfill their obligations to the God who gave them the commandments to follow and to obey. That is Malachi chapter 3. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 